Oh, can we do that right now? Can we lift up our Lord Jesus? Magnify the name that is above every name. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He doesn't say he needs our help doing it. Because he can draw all men unto him, but he, he wants us to lift him up. If we just do our part and lift up Jesus, magnify him, God can do the rest. Amen. And so we are here to praise and worship him. Amen. And to give him glory with our lives and our actions. Amen. As God will do the rest. Amen. But he loves to inhabit the praises of his people and be with his people. Aren't you thankful that we can feel his presence? Amen. On the inside and on the outside. Amen. That he is with us wherever we go. Amen. It's good to worship together. Amen. As the body, as our ushers come. Amen. So good to see everyone here tonight. Amen. We are slowly uh, but surely coming back together. The, the members of the body are coming back, connecting with one another. Those that have out, been out feel like they're dead, resurrected, brought back to life. Amen. Um, continue to pray for those that are out still, out, out or sick or traveling. Amen. And things going on in their lives. God knows. Amen. And he is the answer. He has the answer for everything. Amen. We go to him. Amen. Amen. Remind you to check online our, our digital bulletin, our calendar and events that are uh, online. Um, more details um, about the events on our calendar. Amen. So be sure to check that out. Amen. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time, this opportunity. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can come before you, God. We ask you, Jesus, Lord, to touch each and every need, every situation. God, we pray for those that are out sick, that your hand will continue to be upon them and heal them and restore them. Pray for this service tonight. Bless this offering. Multiply for your kingdom. God, we give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen, amen. Let's come and give unto the Lord. Kids' church can be dismissed. is good. Amen. As we are standing tonight, we can go to the book of John, the 18th chapter. John 18, our text for the series that we've started. Amen. John 18 says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Amen. So this is the clash of kingdoms, uh, part three. Amen. So if you want to greet somebody uh, around you as you're seated this evening.
Amen. We've been uh, talking about uh, great civilizations and great kingdoms uh, that have been in this world and have left their mark in world history and uh, pushed uh, the envelope and uh, passed the baton of, of their greatness to the next generation. Um, and we find ourselves here today um, a part of a great country, the greatest country the world has ever known, as we would uh, stand and declare. Um, and we've been talking about how a, a kingdom is formed and a civilization is, is governed by its uh, documents and its laws that uh, ex expand uh, on its liberties and the rule of law in civilization and how those documents have contributed to the formation of countries and uh, the, the greatness of it. And we began to examine our own country and our founding and our documents and we uh, understood that uh, our founding fathers appeared to be men of faith um, evidenced by their own words and their writings uh, about their uh, their belief in God and, and Christianity and even some of their strong held belief that Christianity uh, is uh, the greatest of all religions, as they had uh, admitted. And they also confessed, many of them, most of them confessed that the principles that Christianity teaches and preaches and possesses uh, enables um, people to live their best life, obviously, if they uh, submit to the teachings of Jesus and the Word of God. And these men of faith were the ones that decided uh, what the scope and the breadth uh, and the depth and the reach uh, that this country uh, would have and what powers it would be uh, founded upon and the limits of it. And uh, we, we see this uh, spelled out in our founding uh, documents. We know that they believed that the Bible's laws and nature's laws taught the values of, of life and liberty. Uh, and so they weave these uh, principles into our founding documents and it empowered its citizens to reach their God-given potential through the opportunity uh, given to them. But we, as a, as a great as a nation as we are, we must acknowledge and confess that uh, there is a greater kingdom out there besides uh, the U.S. of A., and that kingdom is the kingdom of heaven because its constitution is greater than our Constitution because its Constitution is simply the Word of God and nothing more. It, it lives and it thrives based solely upon the Word of God. While we extract principles and uh, precepts from the Word of God to build ours, uh, the kingdom of heaven is completely 100% based on the Word of God. And we know that man shall not live by bread alone, but uh, man shall uh, not live by the Constitution alone, but by every word of God. 
And so living our life by the Constitution will provide us with a life of liberty and pursuit of happiness, but that life will always fall short of a life that is sustained solely by the Word of God because the Word of God is that much greater because the Word of God has power. It has power to heal, power to transform, power to set free and to give peace unlike any other document or any other constitution. The Word of God provided so much more. Uh, And so as great as a constitution as we have, it does not compare to the word of God. Because that word of God provides even more life and uh, blessing than we can uh, experience here. And and so um, let me make a quick interjection about, I, I know we're talking about America and the kingdom of heaven, but before Jesus uh, brings his kingdom to this earth, there will be uh, the formation of a kingdom that uh, is even greater than our country. Uh, and so not only is America's greatness diminished by when it's compared to the kingdom of heaven, but it is also diminished uh, before the kingdom of heaven arrives because the Bible shows us in prophecy that uh, of a final Gentile kingdom will be unlike any other kingdom of the world. And it will have so much power that it will control every single person on the earth. Uh, as great as a country we are, we, uh, we haven't uh, reached that scope yet. But there is coming a kingdom that will, and that is not very far away. And in case you're not aware, uh, they're installing the doorbell to this kingdom as we speak. Uh, It's not some distant dream. It's not some unknown symbolism and revelation. No, uh, it's already here. The formations and foundations of this one world government and kingdom is already laid out and being put together. And everything... Uh, they say, according to their plan, everything is going to be accomplished by the year 2030. So that's not very far away. Uh, 2030, if you want to dive down that rabbit hole, uh, 2030, the agenda 2030, go ahead and look that up. Uh, total world dominance where we will own, people will own nothing and we will be happy, as they say. We will own nothing, but yet we will be happy. So we got six and a half years to enjoy our happiness. Uh, and so that's what they are saying. And w- when we say no way, we, uh, well, nations are passing laws right now. They're lining up with this 2030 agenda. Uh, and that's the key key phrase there. Twenty thirty, all these all of a sudden, they want all these goals met by twenty thirty. How is it all these nations are agreeing agreeing to twenty thirty? Uh, and so, well, we say, well, America will never stand for that because we are the superpower, and you know, we're not going to let uh, submit uh, to some other foreign uh, entity or world government. Well, I ask you, how are we doing with that? Uh, it's not. It seems like we're not really putting up much of a fight to this uh, conglomeration of world power. Uh, and instead, we seem to be passing laws that are aligning with that as well. Uh, and so the next thing that they want to do or they warn us uh, of, of what is coming 
Uh, at least they're kind enough to warn us and let us know what is coming uh, as they uh, let everyone know about the COVID-19 before it happened. Uh, and the next thing they say is a cyber pandemic, a cyber pandemic where a cyber attack shuts down everything uh, across the world and to the effect that they say, and I quote, COVID-19 will be a small disturbance compared to this cyber attack. That is their words. And so we, we know how COVID shut the entire world down, but they are saying this next thing, uh, COVID, is going to be a small disturbance compared to what is coming. Uh, and so obviously you have to shut everything down if you're going to do a great reset and, and, and turn everything back on the way that they want it. And, you know, who, who knows what that's going to be like. It, the power shuts off and then you go on to, to try to log into the Internet. Well, you can't log in unless you're, you know, you're uh, approved to log in or you can't log into your bank account until you're approved to log in. And, and uh, who, who gives all these approvals, we will see. Uh, again, I'm not trying to fear monger. Uh, I'm just telling you what they are saying, and so just passing the word on to that. And so uh, what is the, the United States Constitution going to do against uh, this greater kingdom? What is the Constitution of the kingdom of heaven going to do against uh, this coming kingdom of the world? Well, we, we know that the kingdom of heaven is going to smash into pieces uh, the kingdoms of this world, as prophecy tells us, uh, is going to destroy every kingdom that this world has ever put together. And that is why the kingdom of heaven is greater than any kingdom that this earth will ever form is because we already see the end where Jesus brings his kingdom and, and destroys everything uh, and he sets up his kingdom on this world and rules for a thousand years of peace, unlike any other kingdom before it. Uh, and so that is why it is beneficial for us to align ourselves uh, with the document of the coming kingdom, which is the word of God. If we align ourselves with the word of God, then we will be in line with what God is doing in his will, uh, and it will be beneficial uh, to those who submit and obey to the Word of God. And so last week we started comparing our Constitution with God's Constitution. Uh, we talked about our beloved First Amendment and, and how uh, that aligns with the, the Word of God, uh, clashing the First Amendment with the Bible. And our Constitution states that we can worship whomever we want. But the Bible says that there is only one God, and he alone should get all the worship and praise. Uh, our Constitution says that we can say or write anything that we want without fear or consequence. The Word of God says not to take the name of the Lord's name in vain, and also that we will be judged by every single word that we say. So we can live our life by the First Amendment um, and, and take pride and we have no consequences in what we say. But the Word of God says you're going to be judged by everything you say. So it's on to us. Who, what are we going to line ourselves up with? Um, and so our First Amendment also gives us the right to peaceably assemble and protest. 
And as we kind of looked into that last week, the Bible, it seems to say uh, that you can protest uh, all you want, but protest at your own risk. Uh, again, uh, as we talked about last week, uh, what are you going to protest? If you're living by the word of God, the constitution of the kingdom, if you're living by that, what are you going to really protest about? Uh, God, you're not doing these things right. Uh, and so that's why it's uh, almost protest at your own risk. Uh, and so we love our First Amendment, and uh, we fight for its protections, but we must not forget uh, of what the Word of God says. Uh, and so because that is the greater kingdom and the greater document, and so it, it uh, benefits us to align ourselves with that. Uh, with the word of God, because that is what everything and everyone will be judged by, not our constitution, but by the word of God. Uh, and, and so tonight we move on to the next amendment, uh, which is the second amendment. Uh, and probably the highlight, obviously, of the series. Um, uh, but we, uh, the second amendment says a, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people uh, to keep and bear arms shall not be a friend, infringed. Um, and so we, we, we know that uh, in America, and we hold that near to our chest and our heart. Um, and so how does the, the Second Amendment align with the Constitution of the Kingdom of Heaven? Uh, and so we're going to dive into tonight, that tonight as we did last week with the First Amendment. And, and so the simple answer is, regarding the, uh, the militia, well-regulated militia to keep the security of the free state, I, I don't recall there being an armed militia uh, to keep Moses in check, um, uh, or Saul or David or Solomon in check. Uh, can you imagine with me when Jesus returns with his kingdom, he's walking around and he sees a bunch of armed citizens and he asks them, what's with all the weapons? And they respond, well, we're here to keep you in line, Jesus. Uh, yeah, the, the one who, who spoke, uh, who just spoke and the, this world appeared and, and yet man-made weapons are going to keep him in check. Uh, and so an armed uh, populist doesn't uh, necessarily work in the kingdom of heaven because uh, we're not we don't need to keep Jesus in check, uh, and so that is obviously why we have our Second Amendment is to keep our government in check. But in the kingdom of God, you don't really you don't need that uh, because Jesus is is just and he's 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 King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and everything is ruled by His Word. Uh, and he is fair and he is just and, and uh, he, he does everything right. And so uh, there's no need for a well-regulated militia in the kingdom of heaven uh, because you're not going to keep Jesus in check. He's actually there to keep you in check. Uh, and so there's a clash of governments there. Obviously, the, the word of God and the kingdom of heaven is built upon a, a theocracy, uh, meaning God is in charge not a democracy or not a republic uh, that we have where the people are in charge. Uh, and so uh, 
when, when God is in charge, that's, that's obviously the best case, the best government possible, a theocracy. But every other type of government is when man is in charge. Uh, and so when God is in charge, you don't need an armed militia to keep him in check. But human history has taught us that when man is in charge, things tend to spiral out of control. Uh, and citizens seem to pay the price with their lives and with their liberties. And so men and governments that don't fear God will need an armed militia to keep them in check. If that's how, uh, if they're lucky enough to have that uh, in their founding documents. Obviously not many countries do. Uh, and so if we would all just fear God, we would all get along better, wouldn't we? Uh, and we wouldn't need so many laws. We wouldn't need uh, so, many, so many weapons. We wouldn't need all kinds of things if, if everybody, all government officials and everybody feared God and lived their life fearing God, things would be a lot different. Uh, but the Bible really doesn't seem to advocate the need for armed militia in the kingdom of, of heaven uh, to help regulate its own government, but it, it does advocate for self-defense. Uh, an armed militia to protect and defend itself from uh, other countries and kingdoms, uh, we, this is uh, obviously just nature's law and, and uh, common sense, really. One of the first examples uh, of this is uh, Father Abraham, who after Lot had been taken captive, Abraham gathered his men, we see in Genesis 14, and they took Lot and Abram's son, brother's son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had, had escaped, told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshcol and the brother of Aner. And, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them and he and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and he also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Uh, and so, obviously, Abraham uh, it, it, uh, went on the offensive and hunted them uh, the, those kings down because they took uh, captive Lot. The Bible doesn't describe here the battle, um, but I don't think that Abraham armed his servants with pens and parchment paper. And said, we're going to go get them to sign peace treaties and let Lot go. That's going to fix everything because men that don't fear God, they're, they don't fear God, but they're going to keep their word on this treaty. Uh, you see how that doesn't really work out. Uh, and so when Joshua led Israel into the promised land, somehow the Canaanites were getting killed and somehow Israel invaded and conquered the land. And so obviously weapons were, were used and, and siege and war took place. And uh, obviously uh, this was for the establishment of their, the nation of Israel and they had to go in and they had to conquer the land. But it, the Canaanites didn't die by themselves. They were 
they were killed. And uh, obviously, uh, there's that time of war and, and weaponry that was being used. Uh, but we do see a time when Israel did not have any weapons to defend themselves. First uh, Samuel 13 and 19, Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. Uh, so this was a time where uh, the Philistines had the upper hand on the nation of Israel. Uh, they were the oppressors, and they made sure of it that uh, the Hebrews could not fight back, and so they made sure that there was no blacksmiths in the land so they could not forge weaponry because if, if the people have weapons, then they can fight back. And so the best way to conquer a people or a nation is to make sure that they don't have any weapons. Uh, and so Israel found themselves uh, weaponless. Uh, the only weapons in the entire nation were Jonathan and King Saul. They're the only two swords in the land. And uh, thankfully, God was able to use uh, the courage of Jonathan in, in a few battles. Um, and, and so... Uh, that's what we, we see a, a glimpse here of, of Israel not able to defend itself because they didn't have any weapons. Uh, and so uh, what was the state of them in that condition? Well, they were they a thriving free people or were they being oppressed by a government and they could not fight back? They could not fight back against the Philistines because they had no weapons. Um, and, and so obviously we, we see... Uh, the, the value of having weapons to be able to defend yourself, defend your country uh, against invading uh, countries and oppressive governments. Um, we clearly see the need for defense and self-defense. Um, China established gun control law in 1935. And... Um, they took away all the guns that they, the, the citizens had. And, and so what happened after that was from 1948 to 1952, 20 million people were rounded up and killed because they could not defend themselves. Adolf Hitler said, the most foolish mistake we could possibly make would be to allow the subject races to possess arms. History shows that all conquerors who have allowed their subject races to carry arms uh, have prepared their own downfall by doing so. And so Hitler did not like people having guns or weapons because then they would be fight back. Uh, and so we, we see the, the value of having weapons, being able to fight back. When Germany established gun control in 1938, and then from 1939 to, th to 45, millions of pi upon millions of people were rounded up and uh, exterminated. Uh, because if you don't have a weapon to defend yourself, then you're subject to the oppressor. And, and so now I, I know what some might think, that yes, every country has to have a military to defend its, uh, itself against enemies and invading forces. Uh, because if a nation does not have an armed military, then it will quickly cease to be a nation quickly. Uh, and so, but the heart of the matter is an armed military uh, or uh, an armed populace. That seems to be the difference uh, here. 
between uh, our country and many other, uh, most of the countries of the world is obviously every country is, has an armed military, but not every country has an armed populace like we do because of our Second Amendment. Uh, and so an armed mil national military is no question that is uh, needed, but what about the right for a citizen who isn't in the military to be able to have weapons? That's that's kind of where it comes down to, the individual citizen who is not a soldier to have uh, weapons, and there's not many countries that permit those things. Uh, and so that's what the Second Amendment appoints to, and, and we've seen examples in the Bible about armed national militaries, but uh, does it speak to the individual citizen about carrying and uh, possessing weapons? Uh, um, it, it, the Bible does advocate for self-defense. We see in Exodus 22, if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. So if a thief comes and somehow he gets knocked out and killed, uh, there's no blood no, no sh to be shed for him. That's case is closed. If, if a thief breaks in and uh, who kills him, the homeowner kills him, uh, the law says the homeowner is not going to be guilty of that uh, in Exodus because it's not murder, it's self-defense. Uh, when the Israeli detectives show up and ask what happened, well, officer, he broke in and he tripped over my gun and it, it went off and killed him. And the officer says, well, he shouldn't have broke in then. That's, that's what it, we just read in Exodus. A uh, thief breaks in and he's killed. There's no, no blood required for him. Uh, and so nothing to see here. And so uh, we obviously see that in the Old Testament. Now, uh, I, I, I know we've, you're probably thinking we've been talking Old Testament for a while. What does the New Testament stuff talk about? Because that's... That's really what it, it's about. And, and what does Jesus have to say about all this in our precious Second Amendment? Well, Jesus says in Luke, he, he says, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Then he says, When a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusteth and divided his spoils. And so Jesus obviously understood uh, home defense and self-defense as he's given these examples here uh, about an armed uh, homeowner. He fights for his home and he keeps his home and his family and his goods that are all protected and they're all at peace because uh, he is armed to protect them. And if you can't defend what you have, then you're going to lose it by somebody else. Uh, and so uh, we see him, Jesus obviously okay with uh, 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 self-defense and, and, and home defense. Um, moving on to Luke 22, getting a little bit more specific here. He said to them, Jesus said unto his disciples, When I sent you without purse uh, and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. So this is Jesus is... Uh, is recalling uh, the time where he, he sent them out two by two to go preaching the gospel, and they come back and, you know, say, wow, they healed many people, even devils are subject to us, and uh, all of those things about going out preaching the gospel. He says, um, you didn't, I didn't send you out with money, 
You left your wallets behind. You left your bag of provisions behind. Uh, if you didn't even have shoes, don't, you didn't even worry about it. And he asked them, did you guys lack anything? And they said, no, we lack nothing. It was, it was what, a, what an amazing time. And so they went out ministering, and God provided for them, protected for them. Um, and, and we see that example in, the, in Scripture there. But uh, moving on, he's kind of he's telling them that things are going to be changing here. Verse 36, then he said unto them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his scrip, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So what, Jesus, what is going on? You're telling the, uh, the disciples to go out and buy some swords. Go to Bass Pro and load up. Take your money with you now. Before you didn't need it, and you said you lacked nothing. Take your script, your bag of provisions, and if you don't have a sword, sell something and go to Bass Pro and buy a gun. Clearly, something has changed. Clearly, something has changed or is about to change. Verse 37 says, For I say unto you that it is written, uh, Must yet be accomplished in me as he reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. And so <coughs> what's happening is Jesus' time on the earth is coming to an end. And it's, it's coming to an end through violence. Uh, and so things are changing and not for the betterment. Uh, when they went out without their wallets and they didn't need money, they didn't need provisions. It, it was, you know, it was a, a time of training. They were understanding the power, protection, provision of God. Jesus was there with them through it all to teach them all these things. But now things are going to be changing because Jesus is getting ready to, to be killed. And, and so he's going to be arrested and beaten and killed. And uh, he's not going to be with his apostles uh, anymore physically. And I, I'm, I'm not going to be here to multiply the bread and the fish, so you, you need to take your wallets with you, uh, take your provisions with you, and things are going to become hostile now, and so once they kill me, they're going to be coming for you. And so be on guard, be on watch, keep your things close to you. And they said, verse 38, and they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords, and he said unto them, it is enough. And so it just so happened they had, they had two swords with them already. Uh, they maybe were uh, probably a little disappointed that Jesus said two swords is enough for 12 men. Uh, they are probably already selling things to buy more. But Jesus said two is enough. Now, two swords were enough to defend 12 apostles. I guess 11 since one of them is, is going to be out. Uh, and so we, we Americans today, we say, well, I've got two swords, one for each hand, and I've got 15 more in my backpack, just in case the two in my hand fall out, you know. And so uh, this passage is obviously up for debate as uh, it's, not, it's not described in any other Gospels, only here in Luke. Uh, he talks about Jesus uh, telling him to go buy swords. Uh, and so 
he could have been speaking symbolically, meaning the sword is rep representing uh, wartime and hard times coming. Um, and, and maybe they interpreted it literally and said, hey, we got, we're, we got two swords. We're ready, Lord. Uh, and so how many more should we go by? And Jesus said, well, two's enough, guys. Let's calm down here. Uh, and so whether Jesus was speaking symbolically about hard times coming or not, he didn't tell them to leave the swords behind. He said two is enough. So uh, he obviously was okay with them packing heat, uh, packing the blade. Uh, and so uh, Peter pulls out a sticker then, and he slaps it on his script, on his bag, and it says, come and take it. And it says, you can have this sword if you pry it from my cold, dead fingers, as we see uh, many bumper stickers today saying those things. And, and so, so the question is, there's 12 men, there's two swords that Jesus is okay with them carrying. The question is, uh, who's carrying these swords? Now, they're, they're ready to do some slicing and dicing, and things obviously have changed. They've come a long way. Uh, the Old Testament warrior would say, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. But now it seems like things are changing. In the New Testament, it says, I come to you in the name of the Lord, but I also come with a sword. So good times here in the New Testament. But uh, So who are the two guys? that have a sword, or is it one guy with two swords? But there's only two swords among the 12. Hopefully, hopefully, it's not that unstable, spontaneous, loud mouth Peter guy who gets himself in so much trouble just with the words he says. He gets, he gets rebuked by Jesus all the time just by his his loud mouth, hopefully he's not one of the guys with a sword because there's no telling what kind of trouble he's going to get into if he gets in trouble just by talking. Give him a weapon, and it's going to be a mess. And so, uh, and so well, the time had come. Um, in Luke 22, it says, While he yet spake, behold, a multitude, um, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And when they which were uh, about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, is it time? Is it time? Do we pull out these swords and do we smite these guys with the sword? They're ready to go. Just, just say just say the word, Lord, and I'm locked and loaded, and it's about to go down. Um, well, actually, maybe not, Jesus. Don't say anything. That way, uh, we don't want them to accuse you of anything. Just give us a sign, and we'll handle business, Jesus. And one of them jumped the line before the ball was hiked and came out of the shadows slicing and dicing, uh, and it goes on to say, Luke says, and one of them smote the ear of the high priest and cut off his right ear. He wasn't waiting. Jesus said, I can have a sword and I'm ready to use it. But Luke, it's, it's, it's interesting, Luke is the most descriptive writer of the Gospels. 
I mean, he goes down to go into great detail telling you what actually, what hand, the left hand or the right hand, what actually hand it, it people are using. But here, it just so happens, he just says, well, some of them, one of them comes out and starts slicing people up. You, you don't know who that is, Luke? Come on. Mark 14, 47, and one of them stood by, drew a sword, and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Come on, Mark. You don't know who it is either? Uh, and so thankfully, John, John the Revelator reveals things to us, who this masked man is, who this Zorro is, coming out, cutting. Uh, John 18, 10, then Simon Peter, having a sword, who gave him the sword? Loud mouth Peter, who, who gave him that sword. He comes out having a sword. He drew it, and he smote the high priest servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And thank you, John. Thank you for letting us know. The suspense was building. We were wondering who's going to be these armed disciples. And it turns out that the one who should not have had one had one. But, you know, it, Peter, the, the talker, the, the, the loudmouth guy, he, he probably didn't have one to begin with, but he, could, he talked his way into getting one, uh, one of the two. And so uh, here it, it turns out that old Pete was packing the heat, and he's, he comes out and he cuts him up, or only cuts his ear off. Um, and so, uh, they, so the disciples are kind of confused here because just before Jesus says, go out and buy a sword, we're gonna, it seems like he's saying that because we're going to need one. And now the perfect opportunity is to, 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 to use a sword, uh, and, and, and Peter gets, gets a little crazy. Um, and so we know what Jesus did. Jesus went down, picked up the ear, and, and healed his ear. Uh, and so then what did he do? It's Peter. Uh, rebuke him again, Lord. I mean, uh, look, he, he literally just cut somebody's ear off. And so if any time he deserves rebuke, it's right now. What does he say in Matthew 26? Then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. So he, there's no rebuke. There's no nothing. He just says, put, your so put the sword away, Peter. Put it in its sheath. Guard it back. Uh, for they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And so... Uh, he doesn't rebuke him. He just tells him to put it away. After cutting somebody's ear off, just tells him to put it away. Says you you can have a sword, but if you live by it, if your decisions are made by it, then you're gonna die by it. So uh, taking that, you can have a gun, but if you live by it, and if your decisions are made by it, then you'll die by a gun. And so after this moment, the musician, if you'd come, after this moment, we are, um, we're not told anymore about the apostles and their assault weapons. We're not really, we're, we don't see them using them anymore. Seems to be the only instance, the, the, that strange part where Jesus says, go buy some swords, and, and we see the, the disciple using them. Uh, in fact, if it wasn't for these few scriptures, we wouldn't really even know that the apostles had any weapons. And yet, even though Jesus said you can have a sword to protect yourself, how is it that 
these card-carrying members ended up being killed? How is it that they ended up being crucified? How is it that they ended up being sawed asunder or burned alive or stoned or martyred? How is it if they had weapons? If they were carrying a sword, why didn't they defend themselves? Because there's something greater at stake than just a sword. There's something greater at stake, and that is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Our beloved Second Amendment gives us the right to possess and to carry weapons to which Jesus seemingly would be okay with. But it seems that maybe there's something greater at stake than our Second Amendment and our guns, and that is the kingdom of heaven. And so here is where I think that these two kingdoms will clash, do clash, is that um, Americans will die at the drop of a hat defending our Constitution, defending our Second Amendment, with no question, don't even got to think about it. But will we die for the Word of God at the drop of a hat? See, we will die for the Second Amendment, but we won't live for the Word of God. That's where things clash. It almost sounds like one is an idol and one is what it should be. Uh, can, our, uh, can our weapons become idols? Can our uh, Constitution become an idol compared to the Word of God? Can uh, our guns become idols compared to the Word of God? If, if we love, love that more than the Word of God, if we'll, if we'll die for the Second Amendment, will we die for the Word of God? That's the question you all have to answer. We all have to answer. <coughs> you see, we can't, imagine, we can't imagine a world, if you stand with me, <coughs> we can't imagine living in a world where we're not allowed to have guns. Because that's the way we've grown up in our culture and our country. Obviously, we're allowed to have guns. And yet, most of the world doesn't live with guns. We can't imagine a world without it. But can the church survive without the Second Amendment? That's something to think about. Can the church survive without the Second Amendment? If that was taken away, would the church still survive? Is there a, a church in China who does not have a Second Amendment and they don't have guns? They, they don't really have any rights. But is there a church there? Again, what is the greater, what is the greater thing? There's coming a day, well, they will be coming for our guns. It's coming, and where our Second Amendment's not really going to matter anymore because they'll find ways around it. All they got to do is label you a terrorist, and they'll come take your guns. The FBI has already declared that the rosary beads are a sign of, uh, you know, a terrorist group. They're coming after Catholics right now. 
even going far to say as go, going to mass is is, a, is you know a ritual of trying. They're trying to link these things to terrorism because that's their way in. That's their way in. Is if you're, if you're a terrorist, you can't have guns, and so they deli- they declare you a religious terrorist. Well, then you can't have guns. Now, we believe the Second Amendment, but hey, you're a terrorist. You're not that. You're not afforded that right. And so who gets to define what terrorists are? Well, the government does. How convenient for them. And so it's coming a day where it was coming. Hopefully we don't have to see that. <coughs> but what will the apostolic gun owners, uh, gun owners do then? Well, I don't have an answer for that for you. Uh, I have heard apostolics say, well, they can pry my guns from my cold, dead hands. But what, what a tragedy if the church in America is wiped out, not because they are preaching the gospel, because they all decided to die for the Second Amendment and there's no church left. And obviously I'm not advocating for gun controls or that we turn them in. Lord knows I, I've got more weapons than the apostles have. So we're all in the same boat it's because we live in this great country. But what if that day does come? something to think about Lord knows that uh, the time is uh, fastly approaching but we have, we must not forget that there's something even greater at stake that there is something greater than our constitution something greater than our second amendment uh, and that is the word of God and the kingdom of heaven which is coming and, and and we know that the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But yet we cling to our carnal weapons. We know that our weapon, uh, the warfare, is a spiritual battle. But uh, I will tell you this, that if uh, apostolic men would cling to the sword of the Spirit, like we cling to our guns, things might be a little bit different in our world. Things would be different because it uh, it really all boils down to this: how much faith in the amendment to protect us, and and how much faith and trust do we put into God to protect us and keep us. Not advocating that we turn all our guns in, but we need to understand that uh, while we have them, my protection and my faith is not wrapped up in a gun, but I need to be putting that in God. Because there's something greater out there. There's a greater kingdom out there, and that is the kingdom of heaven. And I, I want to make sure I align myself with the word of God because uh, it's the word of God that is coming to judge the nations and to judge this world and for uh, weapons and, and using and, and having those things. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but also we need to make sure we're putting the kingdom of God first. Because that is that is what is most important in this world. I don't I don't want to uh, his kingdom and being a part of it because obviously there's a clash coming and there's a clash right now. If we deal with the clash right now, 
uh, we won't face a clash when it comes later on. But I want to be submitted to the Word of God. I want to put the kingdom of God first, and then all these things will be added unto us. If we seek first the kingdom, if we put God first and His kingdom first, God's going to take care of the rest. Why? Because His Word, He's bound by His Word. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. And we will. Jesus is bound to His Word. If we submit to that and put Him first, He's going to take care of the rest. We're not going to know what the details look like, but we're going to make sure our soul is right with God and we are aligned ourselves with the coming kingdom because that's where we're going to see uh, great things happen, amen, and when the kingdom of God is put first, amen. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Let's worship the Lord. Let's thank Him for His greatness, His word, His provision. Amen. What He's going to do in our lives. Hell, word in your kingdom, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We know that you are for us, God. Who can be against us? Hallelujah. Help us, Lord, to cling to the word of God. Greater than ever before. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That is our greatest weapon. That is our greatest defense is your Word, Jesus. Help us to love it more than ever before. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a Amen. Hallelujah. We just need to submit ourselves to him and his word and let God do all the fighting. Amen. And even though we, you may sleep with a gun under your pillow, don't forget that to pray for angels to watch over your house. I think an angel can do better than a gun can, right? If they, if they get through the angel, then, hey, you're probably done anyways, right? Amen. So... Let's not forget about uh, God and his protection and his word and his will. As much as we love our guns and our country, 
Amen. God is even greater. Amen. And we want to give him glory in all that we do. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Dismiss tonight in Jesus' name.